Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое я очертила десница Твоя для поклонения святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег, могущество Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего. Пропитай нас Духом Твоим святым. Позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Oh, Lord, my Father, my Lord. 
прежде чем мы с вами вновь начнем погружаться в наше наследие. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the Holy Spirit and what is necessary to be done from our side, so we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life, so we can put on the new way or form of life. Ephesians 4:22-24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And as we know, to fulfill this command, we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs. And these are to put off, be renewed, and put on. And to confirm the given command elevated to the status of a commandment, we read another place of scripture where the same author in a different form writes a similar truth, calling us to remove the sinful man and his deeds. And calls us to be dressed into the new person who is able to be renewed in knowledge by the image of the one who created him, Colossians 3, 8 through 11. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. <coughs> We've noted that your decision regarding these three impacting questions will depend on whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the completion of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it and our names will be forever blotted out of the Book of Life? In a particular format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the third question. What conditions are we to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth? When speaking about clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that carries in itself the power of the resurrection of Christ, we've concluded that we need God's help, that is, we need His mercy. The means of receiving any kind of help from God, which we see as the inheritance of the mercies of God, is weaponry of prayer or worship. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God, man gives heaven this right so that he heaven may intervene upon the earth. One of the prayers of David, written in the 143rd Psalm, accurately revealed the conditions upon which a man is called to form a lawful foundation for God, so that God's mercy may intervene into his life, our life specifically, 
quickly as well as intervene into the boundaries, the aspects we carry responsibility before God for. This has been the component of our continual study. <clears throat> Hear my prayer, O Lord, give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works, I muse on the works of your hands, I spread out my hands to you, my soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord, my spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your namesake. For your righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Psalm 143, 1-12. So that David can hear the mercy of God early, David needed to present to God, as we know from the presented place of Scripture, a basis, cause, or particular right. And such evidence in this prayer, as we already know, were ten unique in their nature arguments founded upon the laws of God. These are the words of God that came out of the mouth of God, that God had elevated above all His names, and to which God willingly submits to. Specifically, these ruling and mighty words of God turned into promises and commandments for man, David presented to God as the cons consistency of his heart, saying to God, Hear me. In your faithfulness and your righteousness, hear me because I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. <clears throat> so he was saying the things that were in his heart, the laws that he had placed there. Hear me because I spread out my hands to you. Hear me for in you do I trust. Hear me because I lift up my soul to you. Hear me because in you I take shelter. Hear me for you are my God. Hear me for your name's sake. Hear me for your righteousness' sake, and hear me, for I am your servant. In the previous services, we had already studied the nature of the first argument that abided in David's heart. This was evidence that faithfulness and righteousness abided in David's heart. This served as a legal foundation for God, giving God the ability to hear David and to stand on the side of David in his oppositions against his enemies. And we stop to study the second argument. This second argument is evidence that in the heart of David, there were memories of the days of old and all of the deeds that God had done in those days, proclaimed and presented by him in prayer. This form of evidence in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which is a unique and continual remembrance or a continual memorial before God, containing the component of continual prayer. The breastplate of judgment was created for one purpose and to serve one purpose. This purpose was the urim and the thummim in the heart of a man. The 
the existence of which allowed God to hear man and man to hear God. Therefore, to be heard by God in the revelations of his Urim, it is necessary to keep within your mind the works of God, his Thummim, that God had done in the days of old. The breastplate of judgment as an item of continual remembrance before God is a sacral symbol of the format of continual prayer, providing God a foundation to fulfill His will upon planet Earth. Therefore, prayer that is not in accordance to the requirements and characteristics of the breastplate of judgment does not have the right to be called prayer, because only the format of continuous prayer presented in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest gives us the right to come before God and enter the holy place as kings and priests of God to to be intercessors pursuing the interests of his will. Here's how Apostle Paul presents the nature of the breastplate of judgment, symbolizing continual prayer in his books. Colossians 4.2 Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Continuing earnestly in prayer identifies a joyously burning lamp, identifying the condition of the righteous heart of a man. Proverbs 13.9 The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. The built order of the breastplate of judgment identifies the demands of spirit and truth, that the true worshippers of God whom God seeks need to be in accordance to and need to possess. John 4.23.24 But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Breaking or interfering the order of building the breastplate of judgment, identifying the state and nature of a worshiper of God, the breastplate of judgment loses its nature and its purpose. Worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth includes not peddling with the truth when pursuing the goals that God has placed in Scripture, as people have done all, in all times and many do today, because of their stiff neck, to benefit their greed and their hypocrisy. 2 Corinthians 2.17 For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as sincerely, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. In the Septuagint, Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the breastplate of judgment is called the sign of justice. As by the means of the Urim and the Thummim that is contained in the breastplate of judgment, God revealed to man his judgments. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment is identified as the conscience of a man purified from dead works, upon the tablets of whom, just as a sign it, the teaching of Jesus Christ is imprinted that, that came in the flesh. Therefore, the conscience that is purified of dead works with the imprinted faithfulness and righteousness upon its tablets is called to give God the right to function in them and through them upon planet Earth. In a specific format, we have already studied the measurements and the nature of materials from which the breastplate of judgment is supposed to be built that we need to be in accordance to within our spirit and stop to study the next requirement which states Exodus 20 17 through 21 and you shall put settings of stones in it four rows of stones the first row shall be serious topaz and emerald second row turquoise sapphire and diamond third row jacinth agate and amethyst and fourth row beryl onyx and jasper they shall be set in gold settings. And the stones shall have the names of the sons of Israel, twelve according to their names. Like the engraving of a signet, each one with its own name, they shall be according to the twelve tribes.
We know that each name carried a destiny that God prepared for each one of us individually and all together they it was one entire destiny that is redemption the 12 golden settings is the authority rule or order of God contained in the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh that we as worshipers of God are called to present in our continual prayer the 12 precious stones with engraved upon them as a sign at names of the sons of Israel is a symbol and format of our continual prayer, presenting the perfect judgments of God. From this we can see that it wasn't the golden settings being the truth of the Word of God that were adjusted in measurement and configuration to fit the precious stones, but the precious stones themselves, being our prayers, are the ones that were adjusted and configured to fit the golden settings of truth. And so our prayers need to be in accordance to the Word of God. Continual prayer in the 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the 12 names is a persisting prayer. That is how it's identified. This continual prayer is a persisting prayer that in its intercession presents the interests of the will of God and does not sway away or step away from the goal until what is asked for is received. The building of the breastplate of judgment within our heart is revealed as building the kingdom of heaven in the image of the tree of life. Growing the tree of life within your heart is building yourself or the kingdom of heaven is building yourself up into a new person created in accordance to God in righteousness and and holy truth into a spiritual house and a holy priesthood. With this, we will remember that all of the beauty and order of the temple was built for one holy item and for the service of that one item. This was the golden ark of the covenant. The same thing with the ephod of the high priest with the connected to it breastplate of judgment. It was created for and served only one holy item. This item very accurately was called to duplicate and fulfill the function of the golden ark. This was the Urim and the Thummim. Because the golden ark of the covenant as well as the breastplate of judgment symbolize from different angles and with various purposes the conscience of a man cleansed from dead works. The Urim and the Thummim in Hebrew means light and perfection, light and the right or revelation and truth. For example, the Ten Commandments inside the Ark of the Covenant, which uh, represented Jesus, is the truth, and this truth, Jesus in the breastplate of judgment, is the Thummim. The revelation that a person could receive at the lid of the Ark of the Covenant is the Urim in the breastplate of judgment the Holy Spirit. Only a person who has a conscience cleansed from dead works or a wise heart upon the tablets of whom the truth in the form of the Thummim is imprinted can be worshippers of God. The revelation of God by the means of his Urim can function only within the boundaries of truth. This truth within the heart of a person is the Thummim, the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. As it is written, Exodus 31, 6, I've put wisdom in the heart of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. A Christian person who had come to God but does not have in his heart the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh is a foolish heart and he will never be able to collaborate with God or with the Holy Spirit and the Lord will not be able to put revelations of his Holy Spirit in there. A person can receive baptism uh, 
in speaking in tongues, but communication with the Holy Spirit will not be there. And speaking in tongues, he won't be communicating with God because it is his spirit that speaks in tongues, not the Holy Spirit. If a person does not have the thummim there, does not have the truth, he doesn't know what the teaching of Jesus Christ in the flesh means. He just thinks that he's spiritual, but he's actually of the flesh. Apostle Paul turned to the people that were in this spiritual position of childhood and he told them, I couldn't speak with you as people that were spiritual, but people of the flesh as children. And further, he wrote that a person of the flesh does not receive what is of the Spirit, for he considers it as foolishness. We note that the friendship of the Thummim and the Urim in the heart of a person is a unification of two formats of wisdom that pronounce that the carriers of the Thummim and the Urim are true worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. People who have a heart, the teaching of Christ, the doctrine of Christ, and the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of their life in their heart, they have the immune system of the Holy Spirit. And of Levi, he said, this is our destiny, the destiny of Levi is our destiny, people who binded themselves to God. Let your Thummim and your Urim be with your Holy One, whom you tested at Massa, and with whom you contended at the waters of Meribah. Who says of his father and mother, how does he, what is his relationship with his family, his mother, his father? Who says of his father and mother, I have not seen them, nor pretty much for them, for they for me are not an example. I don't take their example. I died uh, for that in the body of Christ to look at Jesus as my only example. Nor did he acknowledge his brothers or know his own children, for they have observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your judgments. You cannot keep God's word if you don't die for your nation, your house, and your corrupt desires. They shall teach Jacob your judgments and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and a whole burnt sacrifice on your altar. Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the works of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him. You can't be a burnt sacrifice if you have not died for your nation, your house, and your corrupt desires. And so further, Moses says, Bless his substance, Lord, and accept the works of his hands. Strike the loins of those who rise against him and of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Deuteronomy 33, 8-11. This is the will of God, this is his promise, and this is his command. God has spoken. When a person speaks what God tells him, then in this way he confirms certifies or confirms what is spoken to be able to confirm it you need to find God would need to find people who are his children and that would be able to express him yes God gave the law to Moses but it wasn't confirmed to confirm it God took all of Israel and he placed six tribes upon Mount Gerizim and the other upon Mount Gibal and began to proclaim blessings and curses of this law and the entire nation that was standing upon the one mountain and the other after every curse and every blessing spoke or announced Amen. And that's when the law was confirmed. Today, the confirmation of many promises happened today. What is confirmation? This is the confession of the faith of the heart. When I confess what's in my heart, I confirm this promise. I give the right and a foundation for God so that He may be able to fulfill it for me or for those that I care or 
am praying for. In a specific format, we have already looked at five qualities of a warrior in prayer in the first five precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God was able to continuously reveal His will upon planet Earth and to stop to study the sixth quality and the precious diamond stone. We know now that the six names carved upon the precious stone of the breastplate of judgment upon the tablets of our heart is the name of the sixth son of Jacob, Naphtali, which means wrestler, one who overcomes in battle. Genesis 37 and 8, And Rachel's maid Bela conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, With great wrestlings I have wrestled with my sister, and indeed I have prevailed. So she called his name Naphtali. The name of God presented in the precious diamond stone, according to the Jewish rabbinate, is El Hai. In Hebrew, which, when translated, means God is alive. Therefore, according to the definition of the name Naphtali upon the precious diamond stone, we can conclude that the function of the sixth principle as a format of continual prayer is our right and our, our ability to allow the Holy Spirit to abide with us in our prayer battles against the powers of hell, which confront us when we fulfill the will of God by the name of the living God. Jeremiah 10.10 But the Lord God is a true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth will tremble and the nations will not be able to endure His indignation. I read some of these words. They sound... They are from some, taken as if from the Latin wording. And so further, the name of the living God is a format of an oath, and the category of the nation that had learned to swear by the living God or swore falsely were completely destroyed. Jeremiah 12, 16, 17. And it shall be, if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name, as the Lord lives, as they taught my people to swear by Baal. Then they shall be established in the midst of my people. But if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. Uproot, I shall tear out or pull up by the roots. Therefore, to not be eradicated and exterminated by the wrath of the living God, it is necessary to learn the ways of the nation of God to swear by the name of God El Hai, or by the living God. And these ways are the paths of the commandments and statutes of God. The conditions that give us the right to learn the ways or paths of God's commandments and statutes to swear by the name of the living God is the thirst to know them. That is the condition, the thirst to know them. God reveals himself only to those who thirst. Those who thirst come and drink. I will run the course of your commandments, for you shall enlarge my heart. Teach me, O Lord, the ways of your statutes, and I shall keep it to the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Psalm 119.32-35 We know in Hebrew, when we're talking about El Hai, the name of God, El Hai living, it means one who is abiding, one who is, one with unconditional authority, one who defines the Genesis, creates the Genesis, holds the Genesis, keeps the Genesis, rules over the Genesis, and commander and lord over the Genesis. Deuteronomy 10, 20 through 21. 
You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast, and take oath in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. The result of swearing by the name of the living God, or the name of God El Hai, was always the fulfillment of the promise of God for the sake of which the oath was made. The power of a warrior in prayer contained within the virtue of the name of the living God is called to present the unlimited power of God over the Genesis in the allotted by him for us time and boundaries. Therefore, it is necessary for us to determine what goal God has in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors in prayer. Also, what, in what way and upon what conditions is God able to, and desires to give man that right to become a warrior in prayer so that man may present his interests and implement or actualize his inheritance in God? The purpose or goal of God is that we actualize our inheritance in Christ. Everything written in the laws, prophets, and psalms about Jesus belong together with Christ to us as well, so we may enter into the inheritance of Christ and God. Per the definitions provided in Scripture, to be a warrior in prayer is the lawful and privileged inheritance of holy men of all days. This is their primary or first most purpose that is revealed in their calling, to trample upon uncleanness and the unclean in their prayer battles. This is one of the greatest positions that is gifted by God to man, in which a person becomes a king and a priest to God, and is seen by God as a brilliant stone or the diamond stone with the name of Naphtali. Not being a king and a priest to God, in the virtue of which a person receives the unique ability and right to reign with his informational organ with over his emotional organ, it is impossible to be a, or remain a warrior in prayer. The informational organ having the ability to reign over the emotional aspect of your soul is the information the information organ is the mind of a man renewed with the spirit of his mind which is the mind of Christ in the heart of a person the prayer of a warrior in prayer is a sacral or holy mystery that has an unearthly genesis therefore is inaccessible to the comprehension of the human mind or with human abilities by its nature the genesis of prayer as well as the genesis of God does not have a beginning and does not have an end prayer has always been the mystery of God as it has always existed in the presence of God as his golden scepter of favor that he stretches forth to the one that would seek his face in performing his will. If, however, anyone dared come to him upon his own conditions, not being called into his presence, then God's golden scepter of favor will not be stretched out to the one asking. This will result in the prayer of this person being unheard by God. As it is written, John 9.31, Now he knows that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does, he will hear him. In order to honor God, you need to know God, who He is, what He's done, and you need to know His will. The right to come close to and stand before God in prayer is the exclusive prerogative of God. No one will be able to or will dare by himself to come close to God or approach God, the God that desires to abide in darkness or mystery or in the unapproachable light. When people pray on their knees for 16 hours, 24 hours, whatever they pray, even all their life, if they stand on their knees, that doesn't mean they're in His presence. Not fasts or prayers will give us that right to approach God. In order to approach God, you need to be righteous and dedicated to God so that God can bring you close.
Jeremiah 30, 21 through 22. Their nobles shall be from among them, and their governor shall come from their midst. Then I will cause him to draw near, and he shall approach me. For who is this who pledged his heart to approach me? Says the Lord, you shall be my people, and I will be your God. It's talking about a median or a intercessor, one who this one will be uh, the middleman between God and the person wanting to come to God. And so when this will happen, when this middleman will arise this governor, and I shall bring him close, and he approaches me, then you shall be, then you shall be my nation, I will be your God. Getting close to or entering God's presence is the task of one governor that will come from the nation seed of Abraham. This is the only begotten son of God in the status of a son of man in whom and by whom anyone born from God and seeking God would be able to approach and enter God's presence. And so in Jesus Christ and through Christ can we approach God. According to the revelations written in Scripture, our prayer and the quality of a warrior in prayer, identifies by, identified by the virtue of the brilliant stone, needs to be, so our prayer needs to be, again, continual, persistent, diligent with boldness, with reverence, with revealing or expressing of the faith of the heart, with thanksgiving, with joy in the fear of the Lord, in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. In a specific format, we have already looked at the science of the first six qualities included in the nature of prayer and stopped to study the seventh sign. This is thanksgiving in prayer. <clears throat> Thanksgiving is one of the quality components of the sweet aroma or incense. Thanksgiving in prayer is an expression or the openness of a thankful heart before God that is accepted by God as a component of fragrance or a pleasant aroma with which a person is called to enter into his presence so that he not die. To better understand the significance of the element of thanksgiving in prayer, we've decided to look at four classical questions to determine the nature of thanksgiving as well as the price or conditions that we are to fulfill to be able to be dressed into its virtue and reveal its presence in our prayer and these are defining the essence and purpose of thanksgiving and prayer the price for dressing into thanksgiving keeping and developing thanksgiving and fruits and rewards of thanksgiving in a specific format we together have looked at the first two questions therefore we will turn to study the third question in what way do the scriptures order us to keep and make thrive or prosper our food of thanksgiving fruit that is necessary in our prayer before God to keep looking at the regularities of the principles of scripture anything that does not grow thrive and expand or stretches out begins to diminish and waste therefore to stretch out or expand in keeping and making your fruit flourish we need two things I will read it it's in one of the places of scripture although it's poured out in many other places but we will look at this one Colossians 2 6 through 7 as you know, therefore, have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounded in it with thanksgiving. Per this place of Scripture, to be, to be able to flourish in your faith with thanksgiving, it is necessary to walk in Jesus, be rooted in Jesus, be built up in Jesus, and be established in the faith in Jesus, in faith.
Expanding our abilities in Christ Jesus in all of the above listed aspects will depend on the success we have in these aspects, how faith fruitful we will be in our thanksgiving and prayer, the armor of thanksgiving. We draw out and de- delineate a circle of our abilities in Christ Jesus, confirming in this way the non-existent or unreal promises as existent real or actual promises. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached the heavens, and there the angels of God were ascended and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and God of Isaac. The land which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you whenever, wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you until I bring you here and until you expand to the west and east and north and south. Within the span of Jacob's whole life, God gave him only a small part from all that was promised to him. The fulfillment of all that was promised will happen at the time of the millennia, the thousand-year reign when Christ will be here. However, throughout his whole lifetime, Jacob thanked God for the received promises as if they already were or had happened. We need to well clarify the prerogative of God, it is being vigilant over his word so that it be fulfilled in all of its fullness in in the precise appointed by him time as it is written. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Therefore, our prerogative is to accept or receive and thank God for His Word in the form in which He reveals it to us. To thank God, it is necessary from the position of trust that God will fulfill the address towards us spoken by Him Word within the time, in he, the time he placed in His control and behave at ourselves in accordance to the received words. Behave as if you already have those promises or they have become actual. Isaiah 54, 2-4 5. Enlarge the place of your tent. This is a commandment that we enlarge, that we be successful in thanksgiving, that we be fruitful. Thank God for the things that not, don't yet exist but that haven't spoken or addressed towards us and thank them as if they've already happened. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will put... For you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth. And the shame of your youth is the position of of the flesh or... And so life is a, a chain of strikes, and so I fall and then get back up. I fall, and and you may not see uh, victories. You see, you, I, I would tell God this: I fall and get up, get back up, and I don't see victory. But I keep praying and thanking God, and so it says here that you will 
you will put not be put to shame and forget the shame of your youth. This is when you were within the flesh, and will remember the reproach of your widowhood any more. Will not remember it, for your make your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts, is his name. Isaiah 54:2 through 5. The word enlarge, lengthen, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling speaks of the character of our thanksgiving that always needs to expand and flourish, and those aspects that identify the quality of our thanksgiving. And of course, for this purpose, it is necessary to be a student to learn how to be successful or fruitful in these disciplines with thanksgiving. The phrase "as you have been taught" speaks of the fact that Apostle Paul, in previous conversations, explained to them these truths in the format of a teaching. Therefore, in order to keep and expand the fruit of thanksgiving in these four aspects, we need to present them in the form of questions: How do we walk in Christ Jesus? How can we be rooted in Christ Jesus? How can we be built up in Christ? Jesus, and how can we be established in the faith in Christ Jesus? If we will be unfamiliar with these aspects, we will not be able to succeed in them with thanksgiving, or convert them in the fruits of words praising God. The order in which the Holy Spirit, as a by Apostle Paul, presented the four existing aspects in which we are called to be fruitful in thanksgiving come one from the other, and each following reality is a result of the previous reality. And so, ignoring that. Consistency or sequence means to break or defy it and go in a false direction, where our success in Thanksgiving will fail in its legitimacy as well as its as its significance. What conditions are needed to be fulfilled to walk in Christ Jesus, being fruitful, therefore, in this walk with Thanksgiving? Let us. Identify this phrase as it is presented in Scripture. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in it in Him. Think of this phrase: As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Symbolically, in Christ Jesus, we see the territory of the kingdom of heaven, with His glory, with His atmosphere, with His imperishable wealth, with His wisdom revealed in His laws and statutes. And if you paid attention, looking at this given phrase, we are called to walk in Christ Jesus upon the conditions and in accordance to the requirements upon which we received Him. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus. The Lord so walk in Him. Therefore, we can walk in Christ Jesus just as we heard about Him, heard from the preached word of the gospel, the words that came from His delegated, not the words of teachers that we, not the words of the teachers that we have chosen for ourselves, but the. Me- By the method of de- of a democratic vote, or by a person that has placed himself, whom he we accepted and whom we allowed to entice us, according to this factor, the image of the preached Christ will differ and will not match up with the words or the spirit of Scripture, just as people are different one from the other in their understandings. One will be in the form of a phil- of philosopher. This this can be in the form of a conqueror, in the form of a philanthropist, in the form of a monk detached or separated from the goods of life on earth, or in the form of a tolerant democrat that graciously accepts sexual minorities, or in the form of a simple man, the way he is presented to other people by charismatic leaders, in the form I've heard sometimes. I just be angry when they say, "Look at this man walking," or "Look at that man walking," as if it absolutely was misunderstood. 
uh, in, and behaving weirdly uh, person. Or in the form of, again, of a simple man this, uh, that they're presented by charismatic leaders, or in the form of a materialistically secured, successful, unpoliticized businessman. And only in the few will it be God in the virtue of the Son of Man, the one that can be known, understood, and learned only in the body of Christ upon rigorous conditions of Scripture by the preached word of his delegated ones. Forever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? In other words, people that are elected by democratic vote, people who are not sent by God, people who sent themselves, they preach, and they preach a different Christ. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 13 through 17. The words that the delegated of God speak, these are the commandments of God. The faith of God is the commandment of God that is spoken to us. This is the leader, the war leader, the captain, and we are the soldier that is obeying this command. There's a difference between God's faith and our faith. The faith of God is a command. Our faith is obedience to that command. We need to well perceive or recognize that according to the words of Christ, the body of Christ, that is the chosen by God church of saints, elected from the multitude of the call to salvation, is the narrow gate. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? Luke 23-27 And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. Pay the appropriate price. Press into it to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter, some will, many will seek to enter and will not be able to. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, they will be seeking in the moment when the master will finally rise and close the door and say, Lord, Lord, open for us, and he will answer and say to them, I do not know you, where are you from? Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where, where are you from? Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. The genuine or true reason why the multitude of the called will seek to enter through the narrow gate and will not be able to consists in, in them not wanting to be or being willing or being unwilling to commit to entering the narrow gate upon the conditions of Scripture. And these conditions will consist of a person dying for his nation for his house and for his corrupt desires covered up with good deeds and the service of evangelism that comes from his soul that is described by the words of scripture as lawlessness we need to know that to receive Christ into your heart is to receive justification into your heart by faith in Christ Jesus according to scripture we received him again by justifi in justification or by justification. According to Scripture, justification is not inputting man the guilt or sin that was done previously, as it is written that God was that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not inputting their trans trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for He made Him 
who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. Here's the question. Do we receive Christ in the moment of our salvation when we repent in our sins and make a covenant with him in baptism of water? The reality is that in the moment of our repentance or accepting Christ into our hearts, we receive our justification and salvation in the format of a seed that is needing to be planted or in the format of a guarantee that needs to be turned into profit or invested, turned to profit or invested. And if we made a covenant with God in the baptism of water but are not taught how to die for our nation, for our house and our corrupt desires, we will lose our salvation that was given to us in the format of a seed or format of a guarantee. Therefore, to walk in Christ just the, the, just the same as we accepted Him is possible only after we sow ourselves into His death and rise with Him in His resurrection. Because you do not walk in the death of Christ, you walk in the resurrection of Christ. When it's talking about walking in faith, you can't walk in faith in the death. In death, people uh, are resting, but in its resurrection, you walk. According to, his, to this principle, until the death of Christ does not accomplish its work within us or within our system so that by the cross of the Lord Jesus to separate us from our nation, from our house, and from our fleshly desires, we will in no way be able to rise in his resurrection to walk in it. Let us remember the exodus of the nation of Israel from Egypt, the long path through the wilderness, is the work of the cross of Christ, called to separate them from Egypt that they carried out in their souls. And from the multitude of those that came out of Egypt, only two people entered the promised land. Also did the children that were born in the wilderness, whose fathers died in that very same wilderness. Two people, Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun, are symbol of the personified truth and a symbol of the Holy Spirit, that in the heart of the children that were born in the wilderness was the Thummim and Urim. The temptations of Egypt were unknown to these children. When God pronounced his judgments to the ones that were rebellious and wanting to return to Egypt, these children were not even 20 years old. They could have been 8, 9, 12 years old. And the wrath judgment upon Israel did not affect them. And so these people did not have this undesire. They didn't know what Egypt was. They didn't know the taste uh, of onion or garlic or meat or, or melons. or They didn't know these things. All they knew, they knew manna. This was their food every day. And they did not even have, uh, they, they, didn't even, they couldn't even imagine something different because they never knew it. Jordan is a symbol of death that they need to overcome by the death of the Lord Jesus, being led by Joshua the son of Nun, symbolizing the Holy Spirit. And when they crossed the Jordan River to the other shore, walking the bottom of the river, this was the start of the border of the Promised Land. That is when they rose from death. And only then did they receive the ability to walk being led by Joshua the son of Nun, according to the laws and statutes that Moses had given them. Therefore, children that were born in the wilderness is a symbol of the new person. Their fathers that died in the wilderness is a symbol of the death of our corrupt sinful man, a symbol of our soul that we have sown into the death of the Lord Jesus to regain it again in a new quality on that side of the Jordan in our children born in the wilderness. They had specifically 
There were their fathers, aunts, and children, but these are in us today as well, in a different form. And now it has come time to study the meaning of the two instructed verbs contained in the studied by us phrase, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. The thing is that the meanings of these two verbs are identifying are identified one in the other but have different purposes as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him we receive justification in Christ upon the conditions of the covenant we walk in Christ by righteousness contained in the covenant to receive means to receive upon conditions of the covenant to take as something that belongs to you abide or remain in the covenant to keep the covenant to walk around to consider or regard sovereign rights to keep a circle keep a circle of defense around the covenant to act in agreement with the covenant to walk is to walk around justification behave by righteousness live by righteousness to behave in agreeance to righteousness to protect or defend the interests of righteousness and to act by righteousness in this situation to flourish in thanksgiving in the given aspects it is necessary for us to differentiate accepting of Christ and walking in Christ for example in the aspect of accepting Christ we will be somewhat working with sovereign rights of the soul when we accept Christ we're still of the flesh and we will still have some kind of uh, will be do dealing still with the with the sovereign rights of the soul in the aspect of walking in Christ we will be working with the sovereign rights of Zion the spiritual people the spiritual person again so that we understand when we accept Christ we will be working with the sovereign rights of the soul when we begin walking in Christ when we pass through death and we resurrect, we will be working with the sovereign rights of Zion. Deuteronomy 2, 1 through 7. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and we skirted Mount Seir. Seir is Esau. This is around the soul. For many days. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn northward and command the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be be afraid of you, therefore watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them, for I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money, that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from them with money, that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the works of your hands. He knows your trudging through this great wilderness these forty years. The Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Here clearly we see the sovereign relationship, sovereignty of the soul. God considers the soul of a man. It is saved. But in this position in which it is now, it cannot inherit salvation. To make the salvation a reality, it is necessary that the soul fall in the wilderness. The wilderness is the symbol of the death of Christ. When we begin to sanctify, the sanctification is dying for your nation, your house, and your corrupt desires. You die in the wilderness. And then you rise in your children. It's we ourselves again here in our children. 
but the treatment uh, with your uh, the relationship you'll have then with your Zion. Psalm 48, 12 through 14. Walk about Zion and go all around her. They were walking around, I remember, seer around their soul. And now go walk around Zion and go all around her. Count her towers. Mark well her bulwarks. Towers is the ability that God may hear you and that you hear God. Zion is the carrier of the Urim and the Thummim, the one that has the immune system of the Holy Spirit because he has towers. Mark well her bulwarks, consider her palaces, that you may tell to the generations following, for this is your God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. Psalm 48, 12 through 14. Summing up the given aspects in which we are called to be fruitful in thanksgiving, we conclude that if we will not be taught how to handle the sovereign rights of the soul, symbolizing Esau, and the sovereign rights of Zion, symbolizing Jacob, we will not be able to flourish in thanksgiving in these aspects, as our thanksgiving will not be leg legit. Second question, what conditions do we need to fulfill so that our heart would be rooted in Christ Jesus, being successful, therefore, in this rooting in thanksgiving? Considering the order, sequence, accepting Christ into your heart, we receive justification in the seed of the word of truth. Walking in Christ, we, by the cross of the Lord Jesus, put off or abolish the sinful body that gives way for ground for the seed of justification to be rooted in Christ. To be rooted in Jesus Christ means to have in yourself a root of truth. A root in Christ is a foundation and points to our beginning or genesis in Christ Jesus from the seed of the word of truth. Therefore, to be rooted in Christ Jesus, it is necessary that truth in the doctrine of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh abide, abide within our heart and be the atmosphere of our heart. Proverbs 12.3, a man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. Looking at this proverb, we can conclude that the root of all the righteous is their justification that they received within the scope of the conditions of Scripture by grace freely in the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Therefore, justification identified as our root given to us by God in Christ Jesus is not able to be moved. It is immovable. The root of the righteous cannot be moved in Hebrew means cannot be disturbed, cannot totter, topple, or shudder, cannot be shaken, cannot fall, cannot be overthrown, cannot joggle or wobble. Here's how Job spoke of this, 29, 19 through 20, the most ancient book, not just of the Bible, but even in the world. My root is spread out to the waters, and the dew lies all night on my branch. My glory is fresh within me, and my bow is renewed in my hand. Job 29, 19-20 Looking at the fact that the root is a symbol of justification, waters and dew is a symbol of the teaching of Christ, branches are different aspects of our life. The strength of a bow is the symbol of the strength of our spirit. This foresaying or allegory would sound closer to this, or more similar to this. Justification is founded upon doctrine of Christ, and the power of this doctrine is upon all aspects of my life. Glory that abides within me is a doctrine that is eternal or immortal. I rule the strength of my spirit. That is how you can explain it or interpret the place. Justification signifying the root of our genesis is called to be examined by the relationship of the saints one to the other.
How can I examine, do I have the root of righteousness or not? Your relationship. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your in their in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all of the saints, being rooted and grounded, can you comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The relationship of the saints one to the other is called to be examined by words that build peace, that do not have hypocrisy, suspicion, and intrigue, as they are founded upon the absence of suspicion one towards the other. Specifically by the words that build peace can we judge about the strength of the spirit presented in the strength of the root of the righteous. The desire of the jealous persons to ens- is to ensnare the righteous into a net of evil that is weaved with the words of suspicion and criticizing intrigue. They themselves will be caught into these nets, but the righteous will come out of the prepared for him misfortune because the root of the righteous is strong. The wicked covet the catch of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands will be rendered to him. Proverbs 12, 12-14 The fruit of the, of the lips is confessed of what is contained in the heart. That can be good or evil, all will depend from the nature of treasure that is contained within the heart of the man. A good out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, the things an evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word man may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 12:35. 37. Idle words are words that are not written in your heart, but that are confessed. And for every one of these idle words, words that are not written in the heart and are spoken or confessed anyway, if these will be words of faith from the heart, you will be justified. If these will be idle words, empty words, there's no faith in the heart. These are just your desires, because for the faith of the heart, you need to pay a total sanctification that follows a total dedication but just proclaim just saying I proclaim you don't need to pay any price so today's so-called charismats like to confess what is not in their heart I confess and it will be for me you need to think about it you need to focus upon it they say and it will happen and when they will go to hell what kind of millions will we will see what kind of millions will help them there they say, just think about earning a million and you will. I asked one of these men, this person says, Pastor, you need to understand that you need to keep focusing on, uh, on the million you want. But I asked him, what if God doesn't want to give you a million, but five million dollars, but you're just focusing upon the million in your head, but God intended to give you five million. Do you understand that imagining this million or the opposite, God wanted to give you $100,000 or 50000 for the year, and you still are thinking of this million, this is resisting God, or you are literally, literally, literally resisting the will of God. 
The nature of treasure that is contained within the heart of a man identifies the nature of the root in which this person is rooted. The root of evil is identified within a man as love for money, where a person uses the principles of image thinking, seeks wealth that is perishable, and measures his level of relationship with God with money. The root of all good or the root of righteousness is identified in a person as the absence of love for money that gives man a foundation to be successful in thanksgiving, in the aspect of righteousness, in purity, love, uh, long-suffering, and so forth. 1 Timothy 6, 10, 11. For the love for, of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. 1 Timothy 6, 10 through 11. And so, in other words, when it says flee these things and pursue righteousness have these things have these qualities and not greediness and so stray away is don't have relationship with the people that are like this don't listen to them and so in this way a person when he's seeking materialistic prosperity utilizing spiritual principles given for seeking wealth that is imperishable in Jesus Christ he will not be successful in his thanksgiving and the aspects of righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. The next component of the strength root or being rooted in Jesus Christ is identified by the first fruits of holiness that we, when we're separated as God's belonging, and it is also spread, uh, spread out over all aspects of our life. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. Romans 11:16. We need to focus on the fact that the calling of a holy person in the holy root was grown from the holy root of the word of God. We receive justification in our salvation by this word. We can conclude that the root or the root until this root is established or inrooted in us or we are rooted in we can't be called the first fruit of God until we have this root of righteousness when you're reading about a first fruit uh, in Hebrew this is uh, leadership and so if the leadership is holy then the the beginning the leadership the start all of these are similar words that mean and so the uh, truthfulness of the phrase of the many are called or a few are chosen consists in the soil of the heart of the many people that receive the holy seed in salvation but the seed that does not grow into fruit is because they uh, they coming to church did not prepare their heart to listen but prepared their heart to sacrifice walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they do evil Ecclesiastes 5.1 when they enter into the house of God and they come to pray, to sing, to preach, to, to serve they don't think that they're doing lawless, a lawless thing you need to go first first of all to church to prepare your heart to listen to the word with the intention uh, 
to immediately fulfill what you hear. This place of scripture will sound a little bit more like this. Watch after the goals that you have when you enter the house of God and be more be prepared to listen rather than to give sacrifice for they are not taught that they do evil and do lawlessness. The soil of the, the heart of these people is like the, the road. It receives the seed, but because the soil is not prepared, uh, the, the words just come. These are other thoughts and ideas of man. Come and devour it. Upon practice, these people come to worship not as students who thirst for the truth and want to learn, but as inspectors that attempt with their mind to determine what is truth and what is a lie. I always say, first determine where you're going. If this is the house of God, why are you coming there as an inspector? If you consider that you are trying to uh, examine the speaker, then what house did you enter? If you will come and inspect God, it's not going to be good for you, obviously. Uh, you need to well understand how do you determine the truth. You need to first pray that God would show you the person that he has placed, wherever that may be, at the head of a church and that he leads you there. If you don't know that God has placed you, place this person and you say that the nation and people are the same and so the will of the nation is the will of God people say and I say even that in the Democrats the will of men is not the, the same so that's that doesn't work that's not how things are and so people that have the ability to convince to show to explain with words you can uh, shame a person you can uh, praise a person and so you may say you could say be careful don't look at this person or don't listen to them listen to this person when you vote this is the right one and so is that how God chooses his servants no or someone says I have a dream or had a prophecy given to me not by fasting not by prophecies servants were not placed uh, pastors were not placed they were placed by other apostles and they were given this authority the apostles needed to, to would anoint them and so the apostles had to pray so God place a person not the church electing by vote. This is very important. The next component of the strength of our root or our us being rooted in Jesus Christ where we are to be successful in thanksgiving is the rising in our heart of the morning, uh, star, morning star. Second uh, Peter one nineteen through 21 and so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. It's talking about the Torah the prophets and psalms the gospel was not yet existing but these books themselves turned people to that this is the light and we are interpreting that this is an interpretation of the Old Testament as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation for prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit in the prophet Prophet Isaiah is 
The rising star is the rising of righteousness and the light of salvation. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. And so the evidence of the fact that we have this star, this morning star, will be our love for the appearance of the Lord or coming of the Lord. Revelation 22, 16 through 17, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things that the these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star, and the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. The absence of the main goal, that is the love of the appearance of the Lord, and not confirmed in evidence of you preparing yourself for rapture, will make our praise that an illegitimate and as a sin. The next definition of the strength of our root or us being rooted in Jesus where we are to be successful in thanksgiving is the presence in our heart of the Urim uh, removing the mystery of the seven seals upon the book of the one that holds it sitting upon the throne. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside on the back seals sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Considering the fact that all that God has intended to do upon earth in the work of his redemption, he will do exclusively through the person that is in the likeness of his son. The book that is at the, on the, in the right hand of the one who sits on the throne that is sealed, in, written from outside and inside, is a symbol of the human heart which has Christ and that abides in Christ. From this we can conclude that in a heart of a person that abides in the teaching of Jesus Christ, if in his heart he does not abide in the teaching of Jesus Christ, then his thanksgiving will be illegitimate. To determine why we need to be opened up, the seals need to be removed. It is necessary that Christ remove these seals. God sees us as sealed from the inside and outside with seven seals. The seal of righteousness, seven is a symbol of wholeness or fullness, but God wants to show this fullness in, or, in order to show it he needs to remove these seals and these seals can be removed by only one this is Christ and that's why he says do not weep we are within the ha hand in the right hand of Christ the righteous are in the right hand of the Heavenly Father and when they need to be opened unsealed so that they may shine and it's necessary to do this because once they're opened they will destroy this earth
They need to be opened, unsealed, so that they may proclaim God's judgments upon the uncleanness, upon the lawlessness in the church, so that that church may be cleansed by the judgment of fire to cleanse the holy nation of God. And for this, she needs the righteous needs to be righteous ones need to be unsealed. They're in the hand of God, and the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ will unseal them. The Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, He will unseal not by Himself but by uh, likened righteous ones that he has sent. There are the righteous ones that will be unsealing by the word of truth. In the last days, these righteous ones will be unsealing the church, uh, and when they will unseal her, she will shine. We're talking about being dressed into the new person. To unseal is to dress or clothe into the new person, and then will she shine. You know that our faces will be different, they will be shining, they will be glad. There will be an energy of such a life. People will be afraid and surprised. Not kings, no one has ever known about this. How are these people that everyone knew yesterday and today had become completely different. This won't happen slowly. It will be happen slowly when we call the not existent as existent, we call it, but we're sealed. But the time will come when God will unseal. Do not weep. He, he said, I weeped much. I wept much. The next component of the strength of our root or us being rooted in Christ in which we are called to be successful in thanksgiving is identified by abiding in our heart the grace of God in the, in the quality of the law of grace. Hebrews 12, 17. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, and for whom morsels of food sold his, four morsels of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance through, though he, he saw it diligently with, with tears. And so the quality of abiding, of the abiding within our heart law of the grace of the Lord, we need to determine by the presence of what God has done for us and what who he is for us. And so not having a right uh, in Christ or right to the grace of God. And the reason for not having the right is being a fornicator or rejecting your birthright. The phrase, so that there not be a fornicator amongst you, is talking about fornication, uh, not uh, sinning uh, with your body, but uh, fornication that is in regards to the spirit. Fornication that is of the flesh, a person wants to be delivered, wants to be free of this and goes to repent, but of the spirit it cannot, you cannot uh, be delivered from. James 4.4, 4, Adulterers and adul adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes him, himself an en enemy of God. And so being a fornicator is being fr fr a friend of the world. And this doesn't mean the world 
your does not colleagues at work or your neighbors. These are just normal relationships. It is necessary for us to have those. So otherwise, we'd need to come out of the world. We're talking about the sin of fornication. That is our friendship with those people. Uh, uh, that are an identification of worldly things. 1 John 2, 16, 17, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but uh, is of the world, and the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. See what kind of friendship John was talking about. And as Apostle James said, adulterers and adulteresses, this is when we are friends with friends with the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so for people of the world, they do not defile us. We need to be a light to them. Recently, one servant, server of another church called me. He says, I'm, I, he, he says, I was eating at the table, and they put alcohol at the table, and I'm sitting at the table. I asked him, he asked me, is it, is it sin that it, I was sitting there? Uh, and then they put wine there. Well, he didn't sit down for drinking the wine. They brought it later. And so I told him, well, then you would have to come out of the world when this person is drinking wine and you come to sit with him to drink. But especially with Christians, when you drink, you will be uh, defiled. But when they, uh, people of the world, and this happens, you will, you will not be defi defiled. Refusing your birthright is refusing to abide in Christ to benefit uh, the desires of the flesh because Jesus is the as the firstborn. And refusing to be firstborn is refusing to be in Christ. And so, make uh, summing up this component, a person who is successful in thanksgiving is one who is rooted in the righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. And evidence of you being rooted in Jesus Christ will be the fact that this person will be for his surroundings as a power of a, a ruling light, as well as the power of salt, identifying holiness in his words, actions, and garments. A person who does not have the grace of the Lord will be a bitter root that will defile and harm himself and his surroundings, as there'll be a stumbling block in his words, in his actions, and his garments as well. This person will demand from others uh, things that he himself will never be able to have or do. And this person will not be able to present evidence of him being rooted in Christ and will not be successful in his thanksgiving because it will be absent in his heart. We can be successful in thanksgiving in only the aspects that are within our heart, things that are in our heart. And so one that a thanksgiving like that will never be legitimate and so our time is up right now we will bend our heads our knees however who is comfortable and we will pray and thank god for that word that we have received today amen heavenly father in the name of jesus christ we again and again worship before your face upon this holy place that your right hand has pointed appointed for us. We thank you for the words that you have revealed in your beauty, in your originality. We thank you 
that you do not present or require for us things that we are not able to fulfill. You require from us those things we can fulfill because you gave us the power of the Holy Spirit and the hel his, his help we can use to leave our nation, our house, and our sinful, corrupt form of life, our corrupt desires, not covering them with forms of good work or service of evangelism or other offerings of any kind. It is not important for you the sacrifice itself, but the purpose or goal of this, per uh, this, of this person. If this person with his offering wants to uh, not, uh, make God nice or, or trying to uh, not wanting to humble himself but wants to please God but this person is not humble not wanting to forgive and does and refuses to <coughs> let go of any bitterness then this offering will not be a fragrance but will be a foul odor before God. We thank you, the Father of heaven and earth, that in Jesus Christ you've allowed us to come near to the great wealth that is contained within your word, that continually is being renewed because you never present copies, you always present new works of art, originals in your words. There's great wisdom in them, your promises, and they're faithful. You are vigilant over your word, and you will fulfill it in your time. Our purpose is, our role is to receive your word in the way that you reveal it to us, and to call, the, pronounce the things that are not existent as existent, to begin to live by your word and behave and walk as if we have them in this life, place them within our heart, just as a pregnant woman already knows that she's going to have a child, she has him, although the surroundings don't know these things, but she knows that she has a child there. The same way we, we receive your words, and they are rooted within us, and we thank you, and we are ready to call the not existent as existent, we are ready to thank you for what we have in Jesus Christ. Our liberty, our freedom from our nation, our house, and our corrupt desires. We thank you, Lord, that our, our sinful man is uh, cast down, and we thank you for healing that you have placed upon our account. We thank you for being freed from all dependence. We worship before you, and we glorify you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us all together proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.